Welcome back to the DJ Sessions, where we feature the best DJs and producers from around the world. I'm your host, Darren. Right now, we're doing the virtual sessions in Seattle, Washington. And coming in all the way from Austria, we have Camo and Crooked on the other end. Guys, Reinhard and Marcus, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And uh, welcome to the DJ Sessions. Uh, our pleasure. I mean, in the in the times and age of Zoom and those online meetings, of course, uh, the distance doesn't matter. So that's nice to sit at home at the same time to an interview with the DJ sessions. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's really awesome about that I like is now, obviously, we can expand and talk with people all over the world, interview, and then follow up with them regularly instead of having to wait for them to come to town and be in person. We still want to do those in-person interviews. So whenever you get to Seattle... We definitely want to get you in the mobile studio or, or on the show. Um, so you two have been working together for 15 years, roughly. Started in 2007, been a long journey, long career. Um, primarily, I would say your, your style of music is drum and bass. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. I have my, my, my good friend, Monty Hathaway with Compound Records, would love to have thrown some questions into this. Unfortunately, he's not awake this morning to throw me some questions, but want to give a shout out to them because drum and bass is one of my favorite genres of, of tracks. We used to have a local um, night here, Drum and Bass Tuesdays, and it still actually is going. It's like the longest running drum and bass night in the world here in Seattle, Washington. And um, I started going back in college almost, well, gosh, 20 some odd years ago and just always loved that aspect of the drum and bass, the higher end energy that it would provide. And um, you two have been doing it for 15 years, concert shows. We'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. And um, you just released your latest track with, please forgive me on the name. I, I know we said it before. It's Mephus, 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 exactly. Mephus, yeah. Mephus. And it's called, the title of the track is called You. Tell us the inspiration. What were the thoughts and everything that went into the making of You? Um, you know, I mean, it always comes down to when we get inspired by something, it's usually not drum and bass because uh, this is our basic approach to making drum and bass. If you want to make something cool or fresh, you don't want to kind of regurgitate stuff that's already within the genre that you work in. You always try to bring in new influences. And I think at that time we listened to a lot of like uh, four to the floor stuff, mainly John Hopkins and Stefan Bozin, you know, one of the big guys within the scene. And it, for us, that was always really interesting because they always have some really cool polyrhythm going on within their tracks. And also, you know, drum and bass is really known for using sounds that are really out there and that sound like, you know, heavy wavetable modulation and whatsoever. So most of the time we actually like, you know what, let's simplify things because these guys, they use some old hardware. There's like a Moog synthesizer or like John Hopkins uses mainly an MS-20, I think a Korg. That's a machine from the seventies or eighties, you know, and the most, most of the time can only output really simple, um, like oscillated uh, waveforms, like a, a sawtooth or a sine wave or triangle square and so on. And most of the magic happens within like the filter and the drive. And so for us, this was like, you know what, let's actually try to write a piece of music that is from the sound point of view, quite simple, but keeps evolving into something more and bigger. And, you know, like add some, some kind of more wizardry on top, uh, the further the tune progresses. 
And um, it was actually really difficult to write this track, I have to say. It took us, I don't know, like at least half a year. The idea has been even lying for longer around. But, you know, the further we got into it, the more stuff kind of we, we collected, accumulated. And in the end, we were like, we have like four different parts in this tune. How should it actually be like arranged? But then it suddenly it started making sense and started clicking and here we are, you know, tunes done and released finally, but it was a difficult one, we have to say. Yeah, I could definitely tell it was when I first listened, was listening to it, I was kind of taken back. I'm like, this doesn't necessarily sound traditional, you know, but then it, it felt like it was taking me on a journey. And I liked, I was like, oh, the songs, I was listening to it just as I was doing some research on y'all. And the song, it started to fade out. And I went, oh, okay, it's over. Let me go. And I went, no, there's still about a minute left on this track. And it kind of caught me back into it and brought me back into it. So it's, it's very interesting, your approach that you took on that. And I was going to ask, you know, how long does it take you usually to produce a track? You mentioned you'd been working on this for a while until it all clicked. Is that usually the natural progression for a track being released by you? Or can you, do you bounce them out once a month? Does some tracks take a year? What, what does that look like behind the scenes when, you, when you're releasing the track? I'll, I'll throw this over to Reinhardt. Mm -hmm. um, it's very different from tune to tune. Some tunes, you know, you, you have like the idea and you execute it and suddenly it already starts to vibe and it, it starts to click like right away. But to be honest, we have like lots of ideas laying around that are still like trying to be like get back into it, still trying to click. So, but you never know. We always try like to get the most of the tunes and you, it's very hard to tell when it's good enough kind of. But that's as well nice why we have now Matthews on our team and he is like a super good wizard in the studio. So sometimes we have a tune with like lots of part, like the music is done, the vibe is there, but we maybe haven't nailed the drop like completely. And it's all, so it's good to have like another part who can give that a try and maybe smash it or maybe not. And if he, if he cannot smash it, then nobody can. <laughs> <laughs> and well, then, then we know it's it's time for like to to go into into a different track for us and um yeah as i said it's super it's super different from tune to tune but as well you know we're not always like producing music working on the next track like lots of parts of uh, producing music is just learning new techniques and just going in circles and learning new techniques that then you can like um, use in new tracks because we always try to learn something with the new track and this is how it kicks us. Yeah, and, and that that is awesome when you have that kind of collaboration spirit going on. And we were talking a little bit before the show, you two never produce tracks in the studio together. Everything you do is remotely, even though you live about an hour and a half away from each other, um, you're still constantly doing that. I, I assume with Matthews, uh, hopefully I said that right, <laughs> um, that that I assume he's out there working remotely as well. Or is he, does he live locally in your area? Do you get to co-collaborate with him in the studio? So Matthews actually lives in Linz, which is like two hours approximately away from Vienna. Um, so we actually all work remotely. Uh, when we have an idea, we Skype, you know, and we send each other the, the drafts that we had in mind. And the thing is, you know, all good things take time and especially if you think about we don't just use like drum samples we even write the, the snare drums everything from scratch all the time we don't really recycle things uh, really rarely we recycle sounds but then we kind of modify them again so 
just to sometimes make the perfect snares, it can take a few days, you know, and you just need the time for yourself because maybe you have something in your head that the person, if the person would be sitting next to you, uh, would be like, okay, that's already good enough. Let's keep that and go to the next thing, you know, but when you actually take the time for yourself and you have a vision, you sometimes need a few days to realize it. And uh, there, there is no spot for, for any sort of pressure. And we all appreciate it, especially working with Martin. You know, we are perfectionists in any kind of way. Um, if there's something not right, then obviously we give it some time. And that's also sometimes why some tracks are lying around for quite a while, because we know we need to get some distance off the track and then revisit it at some other point, you know, maybe in like half a year or a few months later. And that usually really helps. I, I can relate to that on so many levels after, after having to develop my own website, we're developing a mobile app, we're developing a virtual reality nightclub, I'm getting ready to get into AR and VR, and there's a lot of tech stuff that goes on the back end that people don't see on the front end. What, what, your, what your end user or your user, what your listeners hear is the song, but they don't know that that may have taken six months to a year to get it just right, and having that break where I, I can relate, where I can just, I'll step, I'll be so frustrated or something, I'll get up and I'll walk away from it. And maybe a week later, I'll come back and go, oh, that, that's what it was? Okay, and now it all clicks and it feels right and it moves forward. So I, I can relate to that on so many experiences. Um, before the track, You, uh, you were working with Nephews on a song called Silentello? Silentello. Silentio. And I Sientelo. 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 Like Sientelo. Spanish for I'm feeling it, you know? Okay. I was going to ask you what the meaning mm. behind that was. But on top of that, I was listening to that track and that real, that kind of felt more at home with their traditional, what I'd say, drum and bass. I was, yeah, yeah. let's rock this out. So good work there. And you've worked a lot with um, Matthews on stuff. What's that relationship been like working with them? It sounds like a great one. And uh, is the future of, of, of um, Camo and Crooked going to include a lot more of Mephius in, in the tracks that you produce? Um, yeah, like almost all of the recent tracks. So we have like during COVID, like our union got really strong because all of us been sitting at home and yeah, what you're going to do, you write music because you want to make the most of the time. And suddenly there is time to make music because when you're on the road, like time is flying and you're either on the road or just recovering or already getting ready for the next weekend. So we, we really enjoyed that. And now we are sitting like on a big bunch of tunes and actually we're starting a label with Matthews next year. And uh, that's really exciting. And I think like we have like great ammo to fire up that label. I mean, of course we have some Cameron Crooked tunes here, still some Matthews tunes, but we have a big chunk of collaborations. And I think we are very excited about the music. And, you know, it's like, it's it's music that brings out the best of both like Cameron Crooked and Matthews and that's great. I think yeah. the, what what's really important when it comes down to a collaboration like that, if you listen to all of these tunes that we've made together, um, they are so complex at points where you wouldn't want to make them just by yourself, you know, like this, there's three heads uh, brainstorming constantly and, 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 and thinking ideas and how that the tune could like uh, continue proceed within the arrangement. If 
like we were to make a tune like that on our own, we would get annoyed already by the thought of it because it's just, you know, there's just too many things on the table that you have to take care of. And it's like, nah, this is too much of a thing to, to actually tackle. And when there's like three of us, we kind of, you know, outsource different things to do within the project. So everybody has his own thing to do within the project and, and also has a kind of expertise, you know, and that works really well. Um, I think that's also sometimes a lot of people try to uh, compare us with noisier, like since noisier are stopping, they're like, oh, Cameron Crooked Matthews, this is like the new noisier. First of all, we aren't the new noisier. Noisier is noisier and they are, you know, they have been innovators for the last almost 20 years and nobody will take their spot. And Martin and us, we have this fun collaboration going. We do our thing on our own. We have our own sound. But I get the studio temperament that Noisy have, have always had in the studio. You know, like they all had th their own expertise. Everyone has their own studio and they need their own time. And they all trust each other with what they do and then they merge things and this is how great stuff comes uh, together you know and i think the approach approach is really similar and this is maybe why people like to compare uh, us to them absolutely I, and that that does happen in the industry that you know that you know fans will will compare like but you have two separate it's like two chefs they're both able to make food but you know, one's making this cuisine and one's making this cuisine, you know, it's, it, but they're both chefs, but some people try to relate the two together, but they're not relatable. Or one may say, like you just said, humbly, that, you know, you're not trying to replace them or be like them. You're trying to do your own sound, but the fans will, will, will compare that. And it happens. I think I, I would consider that to be an honor. If our, if I was ever compared oh, yeah, to like, oh, you're trying to do something and it's just like that. I go, well, thank you. Yes, we are. I think trying it's to also the look, you know, it's two bar. bald guys and one hairy man. I mean, <laughs> Nick and Martin and Tice from Noisia, it's kind of like, you know, similar constellation. Yeah, <laughs> it can happen. <laughs> and if, if you could take one of your productions and, and label it as your most favorite or notable track that you produce or album, what which one would that be? And, and what's the thought behind it being your favorite? I mean, I think like when it comes to album, my favorite album of ours was our latest one called Mosaic in 2017. But, you know, it almost broke us. <laughs> so we, after that, we kind of went away from uh, making albums because it's just such a big project. And it seems the better you get or the better we are getting, the harder it gets to finish off tunes because, you know, you always want to like succeed yourself and make something better than you have mm -hmm. before. And it got really hard to finish tunes. Um, so I think uh, my favorite album from us is Mosaic. And I guess the favorite recent single is uh, No Tomorrow that we released uh, last year. And as well, it was like the first single we released during COVID. And it reminds me of the whole time and just like being stuck in the whole loop. And But the music that came out of it was very like, gave us all a new direction as well. Yeah, I think for me, the most important one of the most important tracks, you can't really pinpoint it because there have been quite a lot of like milestones for us, you know, but a big turning point for us was uh, All Night in 2013 on the Zeitgeist uh, album, because like before that we made a lot of, you know, very dance floor-esque tunes and then we were like, you know what, let's just try something completely different and what a lot of people nowadays uh, relate to like or... Um, 
say it's the anti-drop, um, it's the Cameron Crooked sound. It comes from that time, you know, because uh, we had big buildups, but then like really tiny drops. And that was also the time where we listened to a lot of like minimal techno, etc. So that really inspired us. And I think it kind of started a, a really nice um, little, I wouldn't say subgenre, but a, a little trend within the drum and bass scene that a lot of young producers started to follow and then really like created their own sound out of it which was really amazing for us to see to inspire that many people with something that at the moment you actually write it you obviously like it yourself but you never know if other people are gonna like it if they can relate to it you know so that's always like a bit of a riddle um but then when the moment when you drop one of those tunes where you're really unsure if they're gonna work on a dance floor and then actually get the biggest reaction out of uh, the whole set you know where you play a lot of bangers then you actually know that you're onto something. So this, I think, for us was a big turning point uh, in the career. And while you're working on tracks, do you ever get to like a beta version of it that you maybe take out and test on the crowd before you release it and bring it back? Say, oh, this kind of worked, or this? Is, do do you do that kind of active testing on your audience before? Or is it it's all in the studio and then we release it and see how well it's gonna do? No, there is, there's actually lots of beta testing. So when we, when we produce a tune, we only make like half of the tune more or less and then go and try, uh, try it if it works. I mean, you know, not every tune is written for the dance floor, of course. We are like well aware of that. But sometimes definitely you, you try it and look at the people. And if you have a tune that nobody has ever heard before and it works the first time you play it to them, then you know you're onto a winner. And that happened, for example, with Sientelo. And we have a couple more tunes where like, okay, this is like, this is something brand new and it always, it already goes off. That's always a very good sign. But of course it can go both ways. You know, there, there are some tunes where we're like, I didn't really catch the crowd and maybe go back in and try to change something or just accept that it's maybe not the biggest uh, dance floor anthem. I mean, like we've been talking about our last single, You. That, that that's of course not like for us it felt like a small tune you know like because we played it out or a gesture it kind of, it, yeah it, it it had reaction but it was not all about the dance floor and of course you're like sometimes a little bit unsure as well because that that's where you connect with the with the crowd with the music before releasing is in the club so that's why as well a lot of people make write music for the club in especially in drum and bass um but now releasing you and having like a really huge reaction, I must say, uh, online and from the listeners and that it really like that it really caught them beside not being an obvious like uh, right in your face drum based tune makes us happy because we want to make more of a little bit more out there stuff because this is what really like uh, this is where it gets interesting for us doing something different and not like making it as obvious so people uh, can dance to it. Yeah. And, and, you know, I noticed both of you are in your studios right now. Question I got to ask, are pets allowed in the studio? Look at Ryan's uh, sweater. It's full of hair. Yeah, look, <laughs> at that, look at that chair. Jesus Christ. It's not even... so yeah, all it... this mess there in the absorbers, that was all cat. You know, I mean, got to scratch the nail somewhere. Yeah, no, um, of course, pets are allowed. You know, it's like when you write music it. and you're here and then you just you need to take a minute off. You just turn around, pet kitty cat. Oh, it, look, it looks at me already. Like, why are you so loud? Um, and, and then back to work it is. No, it's really nice, of course. Yeah, I, just I getting some. Live without a pet. 
natural dopamine serotonin levels i'm sure helps you know that just that bond would help just as a de-stressing agent in in the studio you know because producing music um it, it does take countless hours behind the computer screen making the beats sculpting the beats what do you two do in your free time to stay fit and healthy? Um, so I mean, like, uh, I think both of us would be more healthy and more fit because like, sometimes you just like, you know, you want to go out, but then you start working on something and you get so caught, caught up in it. And, you know, there's always one or two more tweaks you want to do. And then you render it again and then you listen to it again and then more like a couple of tweaks and then suddenly the whole day is gone. But, but for me, it's like, uh, I mean, you know, now it's winter times outside is like three degrees. But if it's if it's above ten degrees, I go skateboarding whenever I, I, I find a free spot in my time, and it's really nice to uh, recharge the the batteries and just stay healthy, stay fit. So I'm looking forward for the winter to pass because then I'm then I'm back up to speed with the, with uh, the movements and the skateboarding, I guess. Yeah, I've been I've been slacking big time recently, actually, in terms of uh, fitness and sports. You know, it's Christmas time. You got to spoil yourself a little bit uh, with the cookies. Um, but other than that, you know, I'm also skateboarding a lot. Um, it obviously gets more difficult the older you get now, you know, rusty bones and stuff. And now we were in lockdown. So even the skate halls were closed, like the lockdown literally just ended today. Um, so the I don't even know if the skate halls are open now. Um, but Maybe actually, I think so. I have I no idea. So. You know, it's a bit of a gray area right now. Nobody really knows what's going on. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it was a difficult time, and I gotta as well say sometimes it's a bit depressing when you like, you know, you know, gigs are canceled, and then you're like, oh Christ, I'll just sit in the studio and write something, you know, to get the frustration off my chest and you're not really motivated to go outside. So actually, we haven't been outside much recently. (laughs) Well, it sounds like you're going to be getting back to getting outside again, even though it is three degrees out there and 10 degrees. Of course, for our DJ Sessions fans in the United States, that's three degrees Celsius, not three degrees Fahrenheit, uh, (laughs) which would be really cold here. Um, But, you know, that being said, it sounds like you're going to be getting being active again. You have a show coming up. Uh, for New Year's Eve in London. Um, sounds like it's going to be a, a phenomenal, phenomenal time. Um, that'll be some awesome stuff getting you back out there. You know, when you, um, question here is, you have a good relationship or you've been working with hospital for a long time. And you mentioned earlier that you're looking to start your own label. Uh, will that, will you still have a continued relationship with hospital and doing your own label as well? Uh, yes, that, that's definitely the goal. And, you know, it's not the first time that we uh, part ways with hospital records. Okay. You know, we did our, like, uh, we did Sidegeist and Cross the Line with hospital records. And then the album Mosaic we did with BMG, made our own label Mosaic and been, like, with Ram Records. And after that came back to hospital. And, you know, now the last the last release was with, with UKF. So we are, like, freelancing and just releasing with whoever feels right. The, the, the one before us with Hospital Records. And we just had the, the, the meeting with them and explained it. And, you know, I think there is, like, lots of mutual respect. And I really appreciate that. So we we hopefully going to still play the shows and be, like, part of the family, let's call it. It's, of course, the biggest drum bass label. And there is like 
there's no better home for us, I guess, rather than uh, building your own. And that's what we need to try because that's like the last that is like the last step that is left to do. And it's a nice challenge we want to take. And, you know, there, there are no bridges burned so far. And you never know what, what's going to be in two years. But for now, we want to give this a try. Yeah, I mean, also we were deciding because we made so many tracks with Martin, with Matthews. Um, we didn't kind of want to uh, resurrect Mosaic, the label that we started when we released our album because it felt too biased towards our side. And this is like, a, you know, it's a joint venture kind of thing. Uh, everyone's in it, like we're in it together and it has to feel well balanced, the whole project. So that's why we decided to start something from scratch and also releasing on a big label like Hospital Records. So many artists are releasing on there. And obviously because we've been cooking up so many things to actually release that many things, you know, you have to schedule way ahead and we like to actually be a bit more flexible now with our timings. Um, so that's the only way for us to actually be happy with the releases and the schedules was to just do everything on our own. And Chris Goss from Hospital, the CEO, he was actually super respectful and he kind of already saw it coming, I think, because, you know, he knows we've been really quiet uh, when it came to releases. Um, because we've been cooking up so many things with Martin already. Mm. Yeah, over here at the DJ sessions, we're actually toying with the idea of probably will be releasing and uh, uh, moving forward to doing our own label as well here in 2022. Uh, we're working with a really great team out of Europe and um, going to be putting some stuff together. And it, it, it's a whole nother segment of business that I never looked at getting into. We started out as a live streaming show and then I worked with a lot of local producers and events to put on events and, and, and local promoters. And then we started doing our own events and then we became an event production company. And, you know, so much is going into that and, and, and just managing the website and AR and VR and all these other elements coming in. Um, you know, we're looking at taking that step of, of do making a label ourselves for the DJ sessions. What's the best piece of advice that you could give to anyone out there that may be looking to start a label? Um, Ronnie? Oh, yeah. Um, well, I mean, it depends, you know, if, if you just want it, to, it's quite easy to, to start a label on your own. You just get a distributor more or less. Um, but I think that's not how, like, it always depends on your vision. You know, where, where, like, if we have something to say for people that, that want to start the label, first up, you need good music that you're confident about, that people want to listen to it and then maybe try to get a vision think of a good name like a, like build, build a brand not only a label like as a platform for your music but a whole in the best case it's a brand people can identify with uh, it's just a cool statement and follows a red path more or less and that's what we hopefully gonna that's what we trying to do and in the beginning just for ourselves and then maybe sign other artists but that's not a priority but overall, I mean, you know, the label is not the problem. Music is key. Exactly. I think the label should just be kind of a musical play playground for the artist. If you are confident enough that you have some music that really uh, represents you and will represent you in a few years time, because it's always nice to be able to look back on your own discography and be like, yeah, I wouldn't actually have changed anything now if I had to release everything again. Um, this is something you should, should just consider. Think about 
how you want to be representing yourself to the outside, you know, because in the end, as an artist, you're also kind of a, a business, you're a brand. And uh, it, it just, if, if you have a whole, your whole CI covered, um, I think that's bread and butter, you know, it's really important. And a lot of artists, they just jump into, yeah, I make music and I release this tune and that tune and they sound completely different and they have no idea of their artistic vision in the beginning. So maybe think about that for a little bit longer and then not actually regret it in a few years time, you know, because I think that can actually be kind of the, the fundamental point of your career. If that fits well, then you start building on top of that all the time. That's some great advice. I'll definitely take that to heart as we start moving forward into 2022. I'm going to shift gears here a little bit because this is something that really gets to my heart uh, of, of seeing YouTube doing these. It, it relates to your videos. Some of your videos that I was recently looking at, wind towers, glacial peaks, hot air balloons, my personal favorite. We wanted to do something last year and we were going to call it the got air sessions and go up in hot air balloons and have DJs play. But tell us about the, how those came to fruition and what's next. I mean, funny enough, you know, like it, it kind of was like, none of these was our idea. It was people like friends approaching us like, Hey guys, we have this awesome idea. And it all started with like uh, 2019. We did like on top of the Vienna Ferris wheel and of, uh, on top of the Schönbrunn Gloriette. And with that, it started a trend. It seems like that people know when they want to do like a extreme DJ set and have like a great platform and lots of listening, uh, lots of people watching, they come to us. And so the next thing was in the, the, the windmill, which was a friend like, hey, I, a friend always comes and like, I got a friend who has this wind park and he wants to do a festival. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's like teams that are super excited about the project. It's not really about the money and, and just want to make it happen. And it, it feels really right. And then like after this, then we, we went to the glacier and took like, took Matthews with us to give it like a new twist. That was actually done by Radio FM4. That's like a local uh, terrestrial radio station that we have a show on as well so they did a couple of different um, uh, locations in in a, in, a, in a special region in Salzburg and then the next thing was the hot air balloon which, which was as well like kind of a trump, just homies trump basically crew. trying homies, to do homies. their thing you know it's really funny yeah um, the thing is though I think when you when you get approached because we have been approached for some other things as well that just didn't feel right that felt like the the, the locations didn't really fit to our music you know we have we have to identify ourselves with the location that's the most important thing and uh then when you know the location you kind of start planning your set because with every location you kind of play a different sound you know it, it, locations have a vibe and you try to kind of capture the vibe with the music that you play um but yeah i think my favorite was the windmill one to be honest because that was you know it's a really um, recent topic, a very important topic, green energy. Um, and the location is kind of one of a kind. I think there's not that many, I think maybe five uh, windmills, wind turbines in the whole world that you can actually walk up to that have this uh, touristic platform. And there's, there's one in lower Austria. And yeah, the, the team was super cool. You know, the owner of the wind turbine was there. 
And then the, the guys that did all the technical stuff, they're actually for old friends of ours. They did like a live show of ours uh, about eight years ago. Um, and yeah, shout outs to them because uh, actually it's kind of crazy. I think there were like 700 stairs uh, to get up there and they had to walk there like 20 times a day to get all the equipment up, you know, um, Jesus Christ. So, I mean, wind towers, hot air balloons, glacier peaks. This all sounds amazing. I got a question for you, though. Have you ever seen a UFO? Well, I mean, we all I can say is we haven't played in one. That, that's, that's for sure. But everything else, I'm like unsure. Awesome. And you don't know, think I I've mean, seen one. No, um, I don't think so either. I kind of would like to see one, to be honest. Yeah, I, um, I, I've never I've never seen a UFO myself, uh, but, uh, you know, definitely if there's two people that deserve to get on a UFO and do it across around the world or in the universe, you two definitely are, are setting that trend to be the first to, to be up there and doing that. When it comes to live streaming, is that something that you started doing last year or is that something you're looking into um, making kind of a staple of doing live streams for your for your um, listeners. Well, I guess you know we we always like like to uh, to play DJ sets, of course, and get the opportunity to play something different than in the clubs. Because in the club, you of course you you like you play your own biggest hits and build you know a set around that kind of that pleases yourself and pleases the crowd and just the people that they come to see you and with the set with a different location you can get it go a little bit more out there like on the balloon we played more like a liquidish set or just you have the theme and that that lets you explore all the music you already have kind of forgotten about and that's kind of the the beauty about it and overall i'm pretty sure we will continue um you know now there's a pause we felt like last last year three like in a row was was quite a statement so we we are not in a rush but next year we're gonna do it and it's as well very nice to like premiere like forthcoming music on the stream and so people already know about it they're excited about it they know it on the gigs they just want to get their hands on it want to listen to it on spotify it it creates a buzz and that worked really nice uh, with the last streams uh, so we're going to continue that next year. We have a couple of uh, opportunities for next year. Let's see which uh, will be coming to life. Yeah, I'm, I'll never forget. It was 2013 and I had a, a DJ producer by the name of George Acosta come by the studio and he was in the studio and some of the first dialect we were having with each other says, what do you want me to play? And I said, this is your stage. You get to play whatever you want. And he says, mm -hmm. you mean I don't have to play my club stuff? I go, no, this is your playground. He goes, this is going to be an awesome show. And I mean, I realized that at that moment, I had always expected that somebody was going to come by and play what they played in the club and get that experience. And I realized it was better to give them an open palette and say, do whatever you want, because some of these people, while they might be a house DJ or, you know, a trance DJ, they might be into drum and bass and go, I never get a chance to play a drum and bass mm -hmm set to an audience and this is obviously 2013 so seven years ago when live streaming wasn't necessarily that prevalent um you know to have them just be able to open up and let them play what they want to play without that restriction or expectation is just awesome so um good for you of wanting to take those 
you know, those experiences and create it and tailor make it and make it something different. Um, I think that's where live streaming is can really benefit is that you're not always expected to see this nightclub or this this template of what you expect to see over and over again from an artist and they can experiment on multiple different levels and and create and distribute on multiple different levels and get feedback in real time um you know that's one of the things we're looking at here at the dj sessions and creating our virtual nightclub is you know being able to have people from all over the world come into a room and still experience a, a live music set. We're actually working on some really cool technology. I can't divulge right now, but um, you know that's just going to be kind of another experience rather than getting away from the, the 2D element. So, yeah. and, and you guys, you literally are taking 3D to a level. I mean, imagine if some of these places had 360 degree cameras and people could go in and kind of be part of your show in a 360 mm -hmm. element experience where they're in that hot air balloon flying with you. You know, but you have all these, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's going to be really awesome, which kind of leads me into my next question. Have you looked at VR and or the future of AR and incorporating that into your distribution or, or, or um, out, outreach? I have looked into VR. <laughs> uh, I think it's a great piece of technology, you know, um, but I think we are really really in an early stage when it comes down to it you know um i'm really curious to see where that whole facebook vr integration is going to take um vr um because obviously that will be a massive push towards mainstream um i think right now it was just a problem that not that many people have vr goggles yet you know it is a very kind of niche market but i'm i'm really curious to see uh, where creative minds are going to take it because I'm already blown away by the possibilities. I mean, you can use this, you can put it on, you can actually play a drum kit, MIDI trigger sounds in your DAW, in your sequencer, you know, just by doing this it's, and it's epic as hell, you know? So, you know, you could even take it further. Like you could get people to like collaborate online in a, um, like in a virtual recording studio, for example, and things like that, you know, there's endless possibilities. Um, in terms of club environment, I think also that we are not 100% there yet, um, but like when it comes down to VR, but, you know, just give it time. It's crazy where technology is going at the moment. I don't know if you've seen the latest Unreal Engine 5 um, reveal with the, 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 the Matrix game. I mean, that's pretty much already hyper-realism right there. And, you yeah. know, obviously VR is way higher resolution, but when that is nailed, it's going to be insane. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it definitely, we're, we're looking at that. And, and with Facebook just releasing a few, mo few days ago, they just opened up Horizons out of beta. So now everyone can get into that. You know, it, it's very interesting which of these worlds though will become the world to go to obviously facebook running oculus or i'm sorry meta running the metaverse now or whatever they how they're going to do it is going to be interesting and i think you're right that was something i was talking about last year was the price point has to become digestible to the to the consumer to the end user and the experience has to be one that everyone can kind of latch on to if, if i as an end user when i first put my headset on and my friend jumped me into vr chat we're walking around and within two minutes i had vertigo and i was kind of like yeah yeah uh, you know and then when i play something like beat saber 
you know, I stand up and yeah, I'm moving around doing everything. I get no vertigo because yeah. my body is completely in motion and sync with this. So um, it happens to the best of us. And so, you know, overcoming that will be an interesting thing um, for the metaverse. But uh, a friend of mine actually hit me up this morning and we were talking about augmented reality and the ability to purchase land in it or what I would call land or squares in an augmented reality environment. So I can go buy uh, a famous area, say a stadium or nightclub, and I own that piece of land there. And then inside of that, if you want to advertise or put anything up in there, you have to pay me for that. Yeah. And, and that's something that's really, really awesome that I think we're going to look at that as AR for our, we do a lot of what, what are called silent discos or silent concert events and the ability to make an AR stage where somebody could come and like bring their phone or once the glasses come out, Apple's developing glass. We know other people are developing things, but once those come out, people are going to come and have an AR experience in a way that you could never really do. Like you're, you're, you know, would just be, it's going to be awesome. I just, yeah. I just always ask everyone, what are you doing? Are you looking into this? This is kind of the future of what's happening. Um, you know, and then, and also it sounds like you, you are, you obviously have an Oculus sitting right there next to you. That's awesome. What about NFTs and releasing tracks or releasing certain things on NFTs? Is that something that the both of you are also looking into, especially with the new label coming out? Mm, I mean, we were considering it for a while, but, uh, you know, we are not a hundred percent sold on, on the whole NFT idea. Um, so we kind of wanted to steer away from it, you know, also to be honest, we, we didn't really like, get that much into it yet. You know, we obviously know a little bit about the crypto world, etc. but NFTs for us was kind of like, it didn't feel right. You know, it just, it just has to feel right. And we were also talking to Martin about it and we were talking to about, uh, to our graphic designer about it. And like, this was basically when the first few NFTs came up, you know, like, last or beginning of this year end of last year i can't remember when that was um i, I kind of i like the concept but i feel like at some point it's not fully thought through and it, it for it doesn't feel right for us you know that's why we, we kind of steered away from it um i don't also think i don't think we are going to do it at some point in the future yeah I think when there I was a moment like when like a year ago, there was like a proper moment when everything was super new and, you know, there was this online auctions and people got rich of it. Of course, like everyone was talking about, oh, we should do an NFT. But uh, as well, to me, it doesn't feel like the right thing. And now you're even having like a little bit of a backlash by the fans and the economical uh, reasons and stuff. So I don't yeah. know. It's, uh, I mean, just to be honest, it feels weird to sell away a, a, a wallpaper that should be for free, but that's just me. But the thing is, you know, it can get, it can go wrong in so many ways. I think the a pendulum did NFT and the, there was a bit of a backlash from the fan base, you know, and then also I think they, somebody screwed up in their management by uh, uh, actually just uploading the whole NFTs, like all of the NFTs in the highest possible resolution on their webpage that you could just download for free, you know. Um, so it, it was a bit of a, an odd one. And also I think with NFTs, there's so much crap out there. Literally like, you know, it, it's like everyone's taking the run for the money. Um, and if we do something, we should do it proper. 
and it you know we actually thought about it like kind of make some continuous thing like cut it up in a few like episodes but as we talked about it before when we want to tackle something we do it proper and it will take us months you know and actually i'd rather just release a tune normally rather than an nft um yeah the classic and if way. it's no new new content it feels a little bit like people just do it as a cash grab but yeah, and we I'm don't want too, that you know i'm not too much into the whole thing so maybe i'm not right but yeah yeah no i totally understandable i was sitting there looking at at the reason why is a friend of mine is looking to start up at FTs and he was talking to me with last night about, you know, when the new version comes, I think it's Erythium 2 comes out. Um, it makes it a little bit more secure. I mean, it, it my head starts to yeah, yeah. when it comes to this stuff. Um, but he's like the expert on it and literally an expert on it. And I was looking at, I have like 2,200 past episodes of my series. And I'm like, what if I were to NFT each one of those and somebody like a fan of the show could say, I want to own that one. They don't own the copy. I mean, I guess there's different levels you can own and give away and assign rights, but we could put all these episodes up and say, I own or have the right. I don't know. It's, it's all new. And I just know some artists are releasing NFT tracks. Obviously you see the logos and the graphics and those kind of things going out as well. Um, but you know, just one of those hot topics that's, that's, kind of trending right now and want to make sure we're asking that question to everyone to see what their thoughts are on it and you know we'll revisit in a year from now maybe and say hey you're like our whole library is NFT or no you know, we didn't go that route I, th I think I'm, I might be really wrong about it and I'm a noob about the whole NFT thing but for us it was like there is some inflationary thought behind it whereas I, I understand with art if you acquaint a piece of art that is physical it's like somebody painted it you can see the structure on it it's a one-off thing you can't copy that with nft an nft you can decide by yourself oh, i'm gonna make 10 copies of that you know with 10 each copy it, it sort of has some sort of like it's self-inflationary and it takes away the value of the piece and as well because yes you have your own kind of nft like a copy of it but it is still a copy you know what i mean like and that's just because it's the digital piece and not something that exists in the real world so you can't really compare those two things you know i get the idea behind it but this is the gripe i have with it you know i mean yeah if i were to go into a virtual reality environment and went to an art gallery and somebody said look and i got this nft painting of this why couldn't I just screen capture it and put it up and go, I got this picture of this. That's what I'm going to care. Exactly. It's, exact you know, copy. like if you want your exact copy of the Mona Lisa, you have to steal it. Right. Yeah. But if somebody made a digital Mona Lisa, you can acquire an NFT, but five other people have exactly the same NFT maybe, but, or if you actually have it, then you can give it to your friend and he has it as well. For, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's yeah. not the same yeah totally it's, and it's I, I see it from a, from the standpoint like you said if an artist were to make a single piece of artwork and then sell that piece of artwork with the one nft attached to it then i see the benefit of the artist because you have a singular you you own the piece and you own the nft and i don't know if it would say something like if you ever sell the artwork the nft transfers ownership with it so yeah. it's like 
I used to work at, a friend of mine used to own a baseball card shop or a sporting memorabilia, memorabilia shop. And one of the things we always asked was how do you know that that signature is a real signature on that basketball or on that baseball card unless, and they would provide certificates of authenticity and all they could do to prove. But unless you have a picture or a video of you seeing the person sign it themselves Mm -hmm. and hand it to you. And that is like, you wouldn't know. And there is a lot of um, fraud in that industry. And so, you know, will NFTs help to protect that kind of fraud in that sense? Um, think about it as if you were li- licensing like a white label album or a white label track and it went out NFTs, you could say, Hey, these are, you know, you own that only 50 of these went out on NFT white label. And somebody goes, I got that actual, but again, somebody could just copy the MP3 and exactly That's the thing. <laughs> who cares, you know, but, but to a collector yeah. that might mean something. You know, yeah. to to a, to a, to a um, you know. So well, anyway, if somebody um, if somebody wants to buy a tune for us for for big money, please just contact us. It's no problem. Like <laughs> easy. We make we make whatever. We do it just the other way around. We make it personally for you. <laughs> awesome. That's good you to know. Like the, Wu, like the Wu Tang album with what was the guy called Martin Shkreli? The the guy that that the pharma guy that bought that one Wu Tang album. Oh and yes. Showed it to anyone. Yeah. yeah, yeah, about the right that way as well. Yeah, that works. That works. So, um, a couple of finishing questions here. If you could go back 25 years in music history, if you had a time machine, go back 25 years or go forward 50 years into the music future, which one would you pick and why? I guess I would go back because then, we, <laughs> then, then you would be king with all your production techniques. <laughs> um yeah i think i would go back as well um as a producer but as a visitor i would go forward just because of curiosity you know um music is evolving so fast but who knows maybe in 25 years time actually the same thing is cool again that we are doing right now because music always goes in circles you know trends just repeat themselves with new production methods and maybe you know Nowadays, everything's kind of a remix, a bootleg or whatsoever. And it's basically just, um, it's, we call it cultural cannibalism. You know, there's one idea, there's another idea, put them together, make it your own. This is like how everything works nowadays. And you realize that actually 99% of the stuff that is out there actually has existed before. Maybe not as good, as well produced, you know, blah, 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 but it existed. So I mean, who knows, you know, I might be totally wrong and no, don't mark my words. Maybe we can revisit this in 25 years time. And I hope I'm completely wrong. But when you think back now, 25 years, what was cool? Actually, pretty much the same thing that's cool right now. You know, big baggy pants are coming back. You know, the, the, the late 90s are cool again. So, yeah. <laughs> That's when I got started was in the, in the mid to late 90s. Um, it'd be good to see some of that come back, especially the original concept of the togetherness of the music and everyone coming together and instead of it fractioning off in so many separate ways. I remember being going to my first rave in 1992 and um, there was a club we went to and, and even the club experience and then the rave experience that I went to, you had everyone from every different walks of life getting together and we were all just celebrating music. It didn't, 
You, yeah. you had the, the, the goth kids, you had the candy kids, you had the, 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 the jocks, the sports people, you had, you know, the, 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 the nice dress VIP, you know, it was all just about music and coming together and everyone was just having fun. You'd see somebody and just say, hello, hi. And it was a very unique experience that I haven't necessarily felt until I've gone to some festivals that I attended over the last few years. And those festivals were more that kind of genre. And they were more the non-commercial festivals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, those I see it tend to be a little bit more, uh, you're stuck inside, you have to pay, you know, $15 for a, a bottle of water or something like that. Whereas the more open festivals, you found a more opening sense of peace and love and kind of the P-L-U-R, plural, plural, I always say that wrong, <laughs> that used to be there years ago. I should know that term. I don't know why I stumbled on that. But oh, anyways. Um, uh, plur. Plur. Peace, love, unity, respect. And hoping to see some of that starts to come back in the electronic music world. Um, which yeah. would be awesome you know what actually i think with all the negativity that COVID brought it kind of actually reset the whole, whole club thing a little bit again by you see people having so much fun now when they're out in the clubs you know and they are so eager to just listen to music and there's no bullshit around it it's like the energy right now in the clubs is insane you know and you see everyone is having an amazing time and um also because we talked about it before um, the difference between the live streams and the club shows that before COVID you had to, you know, everyone had their, to play their bangers and er- that's what the whole night was about. And now er- everyone actually wants to listen to the stuff that they missed out on in the last two years when the clubs were closed. And that was not only bangers, you know, that was like super weird stuff that was, that was doing really well. And that's what people want to hear now in the club as well. So I think actually this was the, the positive outcome of Corona it kind of reset the club culture a little bit and it made people eager again and, and actually realized to what they were missing out and what the club clubbing is about, you know? Absolutely. Have, have you ever visited a faraway country where you were surprised that people actually knew all of your music? I mean, we've been mm. kind of all around the world, but I mean, we've been like in the middle of Russia and stuff and even played good gigs there and we are like, how how have they heard about camera and crooked and drum bass? Or as well, if you go like to Japan and there is like, there's that it's not really known for a big drum bass scene, but then you come to the club and people sing along to your tune and you're like, okay, cool. And they're super they're appreciated, you know. It's the it's a it's kind of a cultural shock in the most positive way possible. It's it's beautiful. And I mean, there's like if you, you go to the whole other side of the world to New Zealand, which is like the longest way you can actually travel, I think, from from <laughs> Europe. And and the, the scene is as strong as it has never been before and actually i think new zealand is pretty much one of the best countries for drum and bass right now it's crazy so you know the internet kind of it it didn't really it doesn't really matter anymore where you live you have access to the internet you can stream tracks and you can be fan of anything you know it's it's beautiful absolutely absolutely and then going back to our conversation about vr and, and and just expanding upon that even more um, you know, there, I'll give you a preview of the technology we're working on is the ability to, instead of having an avatar in a virtual reality environment, we're working on having a real live person in that virtual reality environment. Mm. I could walk up and literally look you in the eye while you're on stage. 
and 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 I could go around behind your head and be on stage with you know you as you're in this virtual room. It won't just be the avatar. So when we start seeing importing our 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 real selves, not a digital version of ourselves, our real self into these environments, that's going to be the next level of, of things. And you're going to have people be able to experience that, like you said, halfway around the world in New Zealand or if they're in you know Japan or the United States, they'll be right there watching you perform live on stage. It's going to be some awesome stuff. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for the interview. Is there anything else you want to let our DJ Sessions fans know about before we let you get back to work in the studio? Well, um, (laughs) if you want to make music, take your time. If you want to start a label, make good music first. And um, yeah, I hope you like listening to music or just uh, mixing music or whatever it is. It, it's all beautiful. And I hope we're coming back uh, to Seattle soon enough. I mean, the last time we've been there, it was like, I think I just looked it up. We have been 2013 at the Lucky Festival. But okay. Yeah, actually, we've been, has... we've been there uh, afterwards. We've been again. Yes. Um, Can you remember? It was quite a big festival as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the Lucky Festival we, we played, but then afterwards we played a few club shows actually in Seattle. Yes. Okay. It's good, it's good. Like like the, the scene in in, um, in Seattle is good. And as everybody as ed, every drum bass fan in uh, USA always says, drum bass is coming back. <laughs> <laughs> My friend Monty with Compound Records and Slant Tooth would definitely agree on that one. Uh, I think we should maybe keep the door open with with you two about bringing you over here to the States. We'd love to get you here uh, as soon as possible. And that'd be great. We could definitely talk about that offline. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, yeah. next time we'll hopefully join you in the studio. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Where can people find out more information about you two and what you have going on? Um, best ways to just... Uh, Join us on Instagram, uh, instagram.com slash camo crooked written together um, and Facebook camo crooked. You know, this is, I think, the best way. We are also just releasing some new merchandise, you know, so we're sending it worldwide. This is yes. the old piece. There's a new piece. Actually, I have it somewhere here. Give me a second. Is this going to be available on your website soon? Uh, in the next yes. few days. And- it's with Martin Matthews, so you know, brand new stuff. Um, nice. It's for the new single that we made. We wanted to, because we really like the artwork, so we wanted to put it on a T-shirt. Awesome! But yeah, if you don't yep. know yet, what you're gonna get your friends for Christmas? Now you know. <laughs> get that merch. Get that merch. <laughs> Camoandcrooked.com. Camo and Crooked. C A M O K R O K E D. I thought that right. Yes cooking awesome thank you two so much for coming on the show we'll catch up here with you in early 2022 finding out what's going on with you keep the conversation alive thank you so much for coming on the show thanks for having us you're welcome and don't forget you can go to our website thedjsessions.com find us on facebook follow us on twitter hashtag us the dj sessions or tdjs if you're so bold this is camo and crooked and darren come to you live on the virtual sessions presented by the dj sessions and you know what happens on the dj sessions the music never it stops it stays in the dj sessions <laughs> and stays in the dj sessions <laughs>